0: Welcome back, uh, episode seven of the Paddock's Picks podcast. Uh, Charlie, I think the flat fans will be happy with this one, won't they?
1: Yeah, it's a massive weekend for flat racing as Two thousand guineas day kicking us off up on Saturday, huge Newmarket, and, and yeah, it's a, it's a special time of year. It's, um, actually, down in Newmarket, the sales last week, and, and you can feel the excitement. It, it, like, like I say, for all flat racing fans and sports fans, it, this is a brilliant time of year with so much expectation on to come.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, week of racing, obviously, with Punchestown and the first two classics of the flat season. Myself and Charlie uh, are both delighted to be joined on the line by St. Ledger winning jockey Tom Marquan. How are you, Tom? Yeah, very good, thanks,
2: uh, thanks for having me on, obviously. Uh, good, to be, good to be on, just on the work for Redcar. So, um, yeah, uh, long, long journey to kill, so
0: got plenty <laughs> of time to chat. Fantastic. You're on the way up to Redcar today, is that correct?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. So, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, nice, nice song, one. But uh, hopefully, you're well. It's been a, a good run of form for you,
1: though, so hasn't it? Tom recently, on that, Tom, I, I told him.
0: <laughs> Go, on, Charlie.
1: I said, don't tell Dom that Tom. He will have you on here for about like an hour. I said it should be a ten-minute conversation. He wants you to run through the next week's rides or whatever else. So there's, 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 keep it short, sweet. So don't, don't be encouraging, Dom. Yeah. Don't, don't worry, I will charge by the minute. Uh. Well, <laughs>
0: the, luckily, there's, there's plenty to talk about, isn't there? So we're in. Um, I was just going to say, Tom, it, it's been a, a good run of form for you lately, hasn't it? Uh, I was looking on, on, on the Racing Post. Uh, Last six days, six different tracks and seven winners.
2: Yeah, it's been great. Obviously, I had my first day back riding from um, the return from Australia on Friday and, um, fortunately, had a winner every single day or or two winners every single day since Mm. then. So, um, look, it's been a massive help that William Haggis' horses uh, are flying but obviously yesterday a winner, winner for Rich Tannin and Abordeaux, this is us, it's great and, uh, I I knocked in one for, uh, Hugh Morrison and Tom Baskin as well. So, um, Look, good to be good to be back on track in, in the UK and um, you know it's every jockey's dream sort of coming back and getting them up straight on the board because getting that momentum up is always a worry when you okay.
1: what, a, what a star of a horse though. oh this is, this is though did, 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 you, did I read somewhere on Twitter that you'd wanted him like four or five years ago or a long time ago anyway and still to be doing his trade on proper tracks like Ascot winning Ascot race and winning listed races all this you know as a, I think he's an eight year old now
2: yeah, exactly that. Uh, yeah, it was. It was actually. I was still. I was still claiming three. It was only my second season riding when I first won on him, and it was a hundred grand race at, at, at Goodwood. Um, so he was my first. You know, he was my first good horse to come across, and then he was my first listed winner. Uh, he won on Good Friday, obviously as well, and uh, it was my seventh time winning on him um, in yeah five, five years of riding him. So uh, pretty pretty exceptional horse, and obviously um, you know there's not there's not that many like him on the flat because obviously we're we're in the sort of unfortunate scenario of good horses get retired that bit earlier because of, uh, because of their sort of value and of, of having a, a shorter but more successful career than than obviously uh, jumpers carrying on for years and years and you, and you get to develop that relationship with them almost.
0: Mm. Yeah, just just even looking back now, you know the, the the Greatwood Stakes, I think it was back in May 2016, uh, the spring uh, the spring Trophy Stakes, May 2017, the the All Weather mild Championships Condition Stakes uh, in 2019. So he's obviously been a, a feature for you uh, in your career so far, hasn't he, Tom? Um, just, just kind of, I guess, what we like to do with the guests and obviously Charlie will know. And I've, I've changed these as well, Charlie, just so that we can obviously get your involvement. If we just send a, a few quick fire Q&As your way um, and obviously then I'll, I'll come to you, Charlie, see if we, if we can get a, a divide in opinion. So a very, very divisive opener to start with. Messi or Ronaldo, Tom? Uh, Ronaldo, I'm not that mad at football,
2: but obviously don't have a lot of time. But uh, Ronaldo is always the name, uh, I suppose, when I was at school and, and when I was still around that sort of footballing
1: uh, crowd. Ronaldo, for you. Messi for me, Dom. Yeah. They're, they're both brilliant players, but just me- Messi, I think, one of the best I've ever seen. I mean, to, to be diminutive like he is and to, to, to create so much as well. Isn't it? I don't know, personally, I've always found Ronaldo a slightly more selfish player, whereas I think <laughs> Messi is it just, just the, the ultimate
0: footballer. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I'd be very much in the Messi camp, but I've been very fortunate to watch Ronaldo, and I think, uh, as you rightly alluded, some both fantastic players, and very, very lucky that we've uh, seen them in the in the same generation. Uh, Charlie, I'll come to you for this one: Mexican cuisine or Italian cuisine?
1: I'd, I'd eat both because uh, I'm greedy, <laughs> but uh, I'd probably say Italian. I've been to, luckily, been been over to on holiday to Italy a few times, and yeah, I love the food out there. It, Italian for me,
0: just. Yep, and Tom.
1: Yeah, I'm going to side with Charlie. Uh, we were pretty lucky to travel a lot as uh,
2: as kids. We, we sort of spent a couple of years living on a boat and absolutely loved Italy. So got
1: well used to the Italian food and um, yeah, I would happily live on it for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the Italian wine's better as well, Dom. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> Italian wine is better. I think you've, you'd you'd be right there. It's a close one on the beer, though, isn't it? The, 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 they're both fantastic um, producers of lager. Um, like like you say, Charlie, in terms of uh, eating either one, or I'd happily drink uh, a beer no matter where it's from. But uh, uh, we'll come to you for this one, Tom. Uh, are you an Apple or Android man? Uh,
2: so I used to be Android, now Apple. Yep,
0: Charlie.
1: Yeah, uh, Apple for me. Though, though, I, though I did get give, given a, a Samsung tablet for free, so that's Android, isn't it? But I think. Uh, <laughs> Now, that comes down to purely the fact I didn't have to pay for it. But yeah, it'd be Apple <laughs> otherwise. Um,
0: Charlie, your favourite UK holiday destination?
1: Oh, crikey, a uh, UK holiday destination. I mean, I'd probably rather not if I was having a holiday. I'd like to get <laughs> out of the country. Um, we've had a few nice times down in, in Cornwall, sort of Poles F sort of way. So I'll maybe say that.
0: Yeah, Tom, you're obviously very well travelled as you uh, made uh, light too early, obviously being in, in Australia not that long ago. But if you were to stay local, where would you where would you opt for?
2: Yeah, uh, uh, mum mum's actually got a, a little boat up in Scotland at the moment. And it looks absolutely gorgeous. I've not i not been up there, but I'd love to I'd love to have a weekend up there, but definitely not in the winter. It's a pretty <laughs> pretty sort of gnarly area. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't mind going up there and visiting for a weekend.
0: I think, uh, sadly, with uh, with COVID restrictions, we might all have to get used to a, a UK holiday this year, won't we? But uh, hopefully next year it'll all be slightly back to normal. Um, Charlie, I think I might know your answer to this one. Um, I'll start with Tom first, though. Tom, Royal Ascot or Glorious Goodwood?
2: Um, I obviously love Goodwood, to be honest with you. Um, look, both, both are obviously huge occasions in the, in the British season, but um, I'm not sure. Goodwood's always sort of resonated with me a little bit more i'm not sure whether it's because i had a bit more luck there and mm. uh whatnot but I, I enjoy the i enjoy the drive i always give myself an extra 20 minutes to go down the back road uh <laughs> through peterborough and uh yeah i don't know i always i always think it's a really nice week and great atmosphere and i was obviously normal times always try and take my
1: family down there and, and friends because it's just such great atmosphere
0: charlie mm. you're, yeah. you're a good woman yeah, aren't yeah you?
1: glorious 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 goodwood for me as in a my wife's family and that, where they go and stay down this fantastic sort of old school hotel called the Spread Eagle, and we always have a right laugh there through the evening and then racing the day so yeah I, I think Glorious Goodwood's a special place uh, for anyone that hasn't been to one of them
0: I'd recommend Glorious Goodwood highly yeah we'd have to uh, we'd have to end on a racing one that's for sure um, Tom we'll, we'll move on to um, your exploits uh, down in Australia uh, a day won a second Queen Elizabeth Stakes uh, at Randwick given obviously the favourite um, very elegant four pounds and you were talking about um, William Haggis's four uh, his horses being in good form of late and it was exacted um, sort of no better by that Performance and, and what an effort it was.
2: Yeah, look, it was it, it was incredible for them to even try it again. To be honest with you, like off last year, everything went so um, so perfectly to plan, um, it was um, it was pretty brave to do it again. But uh, there was actually lots of things that went wrong this year, um, and and he still managed to do it. So um, no, all all credits to William um, and and Sheikh Ahmed, obviously for sort of. Uh, risking it and putting it all on the line to go back again. And, um, you know, the team down there, Izzy, Izzy Paul and Sophie, who has looked after a Dave since he was a two-year-old, you know, it's just an exceptional job done by all because, as I say, there was, there was a few bumps in the road this time and, and fairly big ones too. Um, but all were overcome and, and he walked away with another, uh, another group one that's, that's high up on the, on the world rankings of group one's.
0: Yeah, it's um again we we obviously talk about these these horses kind of on on the flat in particular as you say you know coming back um maybe not all the time year on year as they perhaps would in, in national hunt but he's obviously a, a an exception isn't he and I think did it feel any any more special having won it the second time would you say compared to the first time round or did it just feel exactly as uh as you would have expected and, and you got kind of as much enjoyment the the second time around compared to the first.
2: Uh, to, to, to be honest, I probably got. Oh well, I definitely got way more yeah. uh, out of it this time. Um, but last year, uh, obviously, it was sort of locked down. I was in mm-hmm. Australia; it was locked down. England racing had shut down. Um, but I actually, I, I got kicked in the leg four days uh, before Dave's first run and fractured the top of my fibula um, and 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 had a had a small fracture in that. So I actually I wasn't involved with them at all last year, except for going racing. Um, and, and, and riding him so you know obviously it was great great to get those first group ones on the board because i wasn't actually that involved it didn't um i don't know it, it i enjoyed it but i this year i was out there sort of four or five mornings a week riding them out uh, i was a lot more involved and and the build-up was very different as i say there was a few bumps in the road and uh, i guess it all added to the sort of stress of it all and um the me, media attention billing the queen elizabeth as very elegant versus dave and um, you know, it was it was England v Australia. I think come the big day, so look, um, and and obviously we had crowds back. So look, it was pretty it was pretty overwhelming stuff, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and and definitely got a lot more of a kick out of it this year. I think probably because of all of that combined.
1: Just quickly, Tom, just going into the Australian racing, like as as British racing is coming in for a bit of flack across the board for various reasons. What is it that Australia does so well that we could? Try to bring into British racing more. I mean, obviously, you know,
2: the number one thing is their prize money is, is just enviable, and um, for nearly all countries around the world, it's just phenomenal. I mean, he he ran round for four million dollars in the Queen Elizabeth, and and uh, you know, I don't, I I wouldn't want to be held to the numbers, but I think there's over fifty four race is worth over a million dollars throughout the year in Australia, which is incredible. But it's their day to day prize money that's, um, you know, great. Obviously, on a Saturday, the minimum prize money in the city is 125,000. And that's just, that is a flat, flat minimum, no matter what Saturday in the city. And midweeks so are 50,000. Um, you get down to the provincial level, and the minimum is still 35,000. Um, so that's like me driving to Red Car today uh, with eight races on, and they're all worth what would that be uh, roughly 18, 18 pounds um you know to our to our terms there uh, that's that's a whole card of class twos um yeah. and they're racing around sort of you know mid, mid-range horses um for that kind of money so uh look they obviously do that well but i think they, they market their racing extremely well you know you certainly notice it uh, going to say ranwick uh, on on those saturdays and um, you know the vibe is very different and for the races here, uh, they've done really well to attract the young crowd and, um, you know, I guess they have sort of pretty enviable locations, the fact that Ramwick's literally 10 minutes outside of um, outside of Sydney City Centre, but I think they're just very good at promoting the sport in a positive light.
0: And what about the, the kind of shift, uh, Tom, obviously in Australia at the moment in terms of, uh, I'm assuming obviously you still, when, when you go there, you still have to um, quarantine for 14 days, is that correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, the the, the restrictions are really, really strict at the moment, but um, rightly so, they've, they've managed mm. to get everything straight, I mean, I went I went to a, watch an AFL game, um, Aussie rules, and, and there was 30,000 people in the stadium, mm. no masks, no social distancing, mm. everyone walking out shoulder to shoulder uh, in a procession out of the stadium, so, mm. you know, they're they're in a very enviable position where they can live like normal, and the only factor that's sort of limiting them is travel, which yeah. I don't think affects them negatively at all. Because do they do they really mind that much that there aren't people coming in and taking taking their money home? Like I do not feel <laughs> <sure. laughs>
0: for us, Charlie. It's uh, face masks and uh, you know and, and, and social distancing. The kind of life before that just feels alien, doesn't it? I mean, like I could, we can't wait to get back to it, can we? As in a uh, yeah,
1: as in, look, you're hoping the lights at the end of the tunnel, but uh, it, it's been it's been massively difficult time. And uh, I mean, as as Tom said, I, I don't think the Aussies are mine. More Europeans not coming down, but let's not get into the Melbourne Cup right now. We could be here <laughs> for like three hours. So uh, yeah, let's keep moving on.
0: <laughs> and, and Tom, just just in terms of the racing behind closed doors. I mean, obviously the the entire industry has, has done a fantastic job to ensure that racing can carry on and and there's still you know there's still a, a decent level of, of prize money up for grabs I noticed I think um the the, the guineas uh, this weekend both both classics are now sort of north of, of 400k compared to the the quarter of a million that they were um last year so there's obviously some level of progress but just just the fact that there's no crowds there and no atmosphere I mean does it really feel noticeably eerie if that makes sense
2: um yeah I mean to me look I I, I think the main thing to focus on is the fact that we're, we're racing and we're able mm. to host these, um, incredible race days, you know, but it, it is a shame, especially having had that time in between in Australia mm. with crowds there. I sort of, I ne- obviously we miss them. Any, we miss the crowd anyway, but having gone back to having crowd and now going back to having no crowd, it's even more noticeable. Um, but look, it is, it is what it is. We've got top class horse, uh, top, top class horses running around. Um, for as you say, sort of more back to normal level prize money, and, and and we're running the classics um, as we should at the right time of year, unlike last year.
0: Yeah. Uh, this this next one's kind of it, it, it almost might sound a bit unfair, but I was, was going to make light of uh, a Dave's win in the in the Champion Stakes Ascot uh, on on Champions Day uh, back in October. It was obviously the same day that, that your partner Holly Doyle um, won her first ever Group One uh, when she won the, the Sprint Stakes at uh, abroad Glen, uh, Glen Shield, I believe it was. Um, obviously, winning a ledger in the same season it would be very hard, and it, it almost sounds a bit daft. But I just imagine that in your career, kind of as, as short lived as it is so far with, with plenty of time still left to go that must have been a, a real standout day and standout moment you know for you both
2: yeah it was huge um you know it's not obviously well obviously we're, we're both very lucky we've we've had sort of a great great few years riding um but realistically days like that will probably very seldom come along and um, mm. you know for it all to line up and have the same great day on the same day and be able to enjoy it together um you know, it, it, it's not often that the stars align like that. Um, you know, obviously we both both had great days since um, and before that, but um, it's always sort of one of us has a great day, one of us has an average day. Um, but that was, yeah, that was, that was amazing that, that sort of everything happened on the same day and we were both able to enjoy uh, enjoy it in the same same way.
0: Charlie, we um, we obviously talk about girl power a lot, don't we? Um, Rachel Blackmore and, and Holly does really feel like the, the equivalent of that on the flat. And I think um, that, that was kind of perfected, you know, when she finished third uh, in the Sports Personality of the Year Award, the, the first racing ambassador to, to kind of make the frame since AP McCoy, won it back in 2010. And at, and at such a young age to really put racing into the mainstream. She's another example of a of a young sort of female jockey who's, who's a real role model for, for girls getting into the sport.
1: Without doubt. I mean, look, we're hoping that we're going to get to a time where it's not even discussed anymore. and mm. uh, I know Rachel Blackmore always refers to that, but but I think we have to accept that these still are, Holly and Rachel especially, are, are female riders doing extraordinary things and, and becoming groundbreakers and, and, and doing things for the first time. So it is going to be remarked on. They're both fantastic ambassadors for the sport, brilliant jockeys first and foremost, but actually lovely people and, and very, you know, like I say, superb role models for kids coming into the sport. Like, look, Tom, again, as, as any professional jockey at this stage of the season will say that they're not looking at the Jockeys' Championship, I'm sure. But Holly and Tom are both contenders, you know. And, and is it conceivable that Holly Doyle could be the first female champion flat rider? I, I think it definitely is. Certainly the way she's riding and the support that she has, she's, she's so, so light that she, you know, weight isn't an issue. She can go and ride whatever she wants. And so, yeah, we are entering an era now where there are dominant right riders that can really be at the top table week in, week out in both codes with Rachel and Holly and Rani Frost and, and amongst others. So we're, we're definitely moving into an era of, of more and more female success and more and more equality and, and, and gender not becoming a factor. But right now it is. And like I say, Holly's a brilliant ambassador for the sport.
0: Yeah, um, from uh, sort of a, a, an equine perspective uh, f- for females, Charlie, I was just interested to get a couple of your thoughts on the uh, the Punchestown Festival. Uh, we kind of, I suppose, bigged it up to be the, the big clash between Monkfish and Envoy Allen, but it was uh, it was Cole Reavy in her last ever appearance who, who put on a quite remarkable display un- un- under Danny Mullins and, uh, and won the, the Grade 1 champion novice chase over three miles.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, look... The, the, the First and foremost, her, her performance was outstanding. I, I think by all accounts, she's in to Walk in the Park, who is the star of the moment in jump racing. And Danny Mullins gave her a, a, a bold attacking ride. And she was the one horse that pitched up and, and gave her running. You know, she far she the last. She jumped very well, travelled well, did everything right. And her main form rivals lost their copybooks. I mean, Envoy Allen was hanging left from the word go. I said on Twitter at the time, it'd be interesting if something came to light and he finished lame. And I think he's we're, we're, we're awaiting reports of, of the damage he's done to himself and like hoping that he comes back. And Monkfish, to me, I thought back round Punchestown, a sort of fairer, more galloping track than Cheltenham. It would help his jump in, which wasn't great round Cheltenham. But to me, again, he never found that greater a rhythm. Paul town, and never looked that comfortable. And look, they both got questions to ask, you know. As in, he's he's going. Monkfish is certainly going to have to sharpen up to become a genuine Cheltenham Gold Cup contender next season. And for Emboy Allen, yep, like I say, we await with interest what's going to what, what, what the outcome and the, and the prognosis of his, of his injury is. And for Cole well, there's no better way to go out than than beating the boys in the Grade One, and and it's going to be serious exciting in years to come to see if she can pass on that latent talent to. Her, her offspring. You know,
0: it would be very, very, very interesting to see. Of course, Um Pour just quickly back into the uh, the winners' enclosure, and, and he looked right back to his best, didn't he?
1: Yeah, to me, I, I would be surprised if we ever see Chacun Pour ridden with restraint like he was at the festival. Mm. It was one of it was one of the, the few champion chased in recent memory where they've gone no real gallop, and he, he sort of pulled for his head, never found rhythm. And look, people were saying he didn't get up the hill and maybe he, maybe that was the case, but I would like to see him go back to Cheltenham and give him an attacking ride, use that incredible high cruise gear and he jumps better when he's ridden like that before we can conclusively say that Cheltenham isn't the track for him. But looking at this performance, uh, down, he's still going to be the one they've all got to beat next year. Because he absolutely demolished them, didn't
0: he? He certainly did. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's worth another chance at Cheltenham, isn't he? And uh, him against Shishkin could be a could be a, a Titanic battle on the uh, the second day of the Cheltenham Festival next year. Uh, Tom, do you take uh, much of a vested interest in, in National Hunt? Are, are you an observer?
2: Uh, honestly, I'm, I, I'm, I'd be pretty guilty of um, sort of not not being overly aware um, of everything going on. Uh, look, I love love keeping an eye, obviously, on Cheltenham and, and things like that. And I'm not sure if Charlie actually remembers the first uh, the first time I ever actually got got to go racing. I was um, I was uh, sent with Chris Moore to the races for my work experience, age 14 at school. Uh, so I think that was the first time I bumped into Charlie and and, and Ben, his brother, and um, many of the jump jockeys. So I actually, yeah, my first initial interest was was in jump racing. Um, but yeah I mean to be honest we're so, we're so busy on the flat now it kind of yeah. it limits how much you can see except obviously obviously keeping an
1: eye on the top days Just just jumping in there Tom like you say you are so busy it's so early in the season but I, I, know, I know that the champion jockey title must be an ambition when does it become a factor if you know what I mean as in like when does the, the numbers do you get past Royal Acted or Goodwood is, it, is there a time of the season where you start actively looking at where, what the scores on the doors are
2: yeah, I mean, uh, I think,
1: I think to be honest, this COVID, the,
2: the COVID rule of one meeting a day has completely changed all the dynamics mm. of the championship. You know, before, uh, you know, I, I, don't know, I, I remember, I remember always reading, you know, Richard Hughes would get the goodwood, uh, and assess the situation and then give it a kick or not, um, depending how he was going. But I think now with the, with the one meeting a day rule, I mean, realistically, you can go hammer and tongue from, guineas all the way through but yeah. we're riding one meeting a day like last year and um, look obviously I wasn't obviously I wasn't champion jockey either, I ended up finishing third uh, and 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 O'Sheen and Buick pulled away from me the last few weeks um or three weeks I think uh, but up until then I was right up behind them and and, and to be honest from the second racing started uh, I was going racing every day with near on a full book of rides and and um, you know it's doable now because of the one meeting a day, you don't actually have to go chasing, um, because all you're doing is going racing every day, trying to ride as many winners as you can on a card. Instead of before, you'd you know if you were going for champion jockey, you'd be flying, you'd be flying between meetings, four days a week. Uh, you'd have a plane in waiting um, on a couple of those occasions, um, and it was a big investment to, to go for the champion jockey title, whereas now it's very very different.
1: And one meeting a day, would you, that, that's a good thing?
2: Um, I think uh, very beneficial to the general doctor population. Um, you know, certainly uh, that along with the loss of saunas, but getting the extra weight allowances has, has proved to be um, instrumental in, in sort of increasing or improving everyone's mood and everyone's attitude and uh, the atmosphere at the races. And, you know, it, it's, Definitely a better place to be now, and everyone seems a lot more, um, I don't know, in, in rhythm and in tune with with the races on that card on that day, uh, instead of panicking about traffic and trying to get elsewhere. But ultimately, I think you know, I'd be I'd I'd, I'd be very keen and in the camp of being allowed to do one double meeting per week, um, because you know there's always going to be that day of, of Royal Ascot or Glorious Goodwood where you know you might only be able to get a couple of rides at that big meeting, but you have to go because of who trains them or who owns them. Um, And, and I think, you know, it'd be nice to have that opportunity to sort of choose and say, well, look on Wednesday, there's a Lingfield evening meeting. That's uh, half an hour away from Ascot. I would like to be able to ride the first two races at Ascot and, and and go on to Lingfield and ride, ride in eight, nine races and and have my chance to ride a few winners. So it is a double edged sword as to which way we go, but I think, you know, I was very much in the camp of, of, being allowed to do it once a week. Um, if, if um, look, I'm not sure where everyone else stands on it, but um, that was my point
0: of view anyway, anyway. I suppose if that was the case for, for every sort of jockey and every jockey had that opportunity, Tom, it would kind of make it a more, a more even keel. Would that be fair for, you know, in terms of, you know, you, you want to get as many winners as possible, of course, don't you? And, and everyone's kind of going for that title. So if everyone's got <laughs> the same level of opportunity, um, then it, it's probably a more fair outcome come the end of the year.
2: Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I, you know, say, you know, you could take, for example, William Buick, I mean, you know, retained rider to Godolphin, one of the most powerful stables in the land. Um, you know, when we're restricted to one meeting, uh, one meeting a day, um, you know, take, for example, say say Holly, um, realistically, you know, she, she is going to be at Royal Ascot, but you, you're probably going to be riding two, two, Ten to one shots and a twenty to one shot, if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, and 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 William beer is going to be there with two favourites and and three other rides that are sort of semi fancied because of the sables that he rides for. And it's not, um, you know that that that's fine. But on those on those big weeks where you have to do that big meeting, it would be nice for uh to to have that option to go on and and, and that one day a week be able to go to the other meeting because ultimately. Jockeys that have those big retainers and the big jobs are going to be way more at favour at those meetings um, because of the
1: rides that they can get. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. I think it's a great point. Um, I suppose talking about big meetings though, obviously one thousand guineas on Sunday and your ride Sacred. Uh, what, what, what's your, what's your vibe about her?
2: Yeah, I am gen- genuinely, really looking forward to riding her. Obviously, uh, I was, uh, I was still on the other side of the world when she won the Gwyn, but she was. Visually, extremely impressive. I know Ryan Moore was really pleased with her. Um, uh, the only, the only talking point is, is the fact that she's got to get the mark. Um, but uh, look, she she settled really well um, and looked like she'd give herself every chance to. And, and she's um, a filly that obviously held a really good level of form last year and um, looks like she's done well for the winter. So um, she's you know she's everything that you could ask for in a in a in a Guineas ride. Um, so. Yeah, really, really looking forward to getting on board border on Sunday.
0: She had plenty of, of kind of runs, Tom, over over five furlongs, um, uh, but you, you feel obviously that that step up to seven, and, and obviously the mile now uh, uh, on the rolling mile uh, over, over the one thousand guineas trip is, is really going to bring the best out of her. You would say?
2: Um, look, I think it's hard to say that a mile is going to bring the best out of her, um, but it's something that's got to be done. Um, you know, she won she won over seven at Newmarket the other day, and. And um, it looks, uh, you know, to, to to me and and to a lot of people, it looked like it was spot on for her. Um, but the Guineas is something you can't pass up. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge, huge race in the racing calendar, and you get one pop at it as a as a three year old. So, um, you know, it's something, and it, and it's a race that, you know, Stevie Park started. It's it's uh, if if they can win a race like that with one of their fillies, it's it's massive, and um, you know that's what they do it for. So, um, you know, she ha- she has to go there. She goes there with a massive chance, um, and as I say, yeah, the only talking point is if she does get the mile, and and, and, and if she does, she'll be very competitive. And if she doesn't, um, I guess that that sets you on to a different path for the rest of the season, as to sort of staying at seventh.
0: And uh, any any other sort of um, rides over over the weekend uh, that we should be aware of that perhaps you you're looking forward to more than others.
2: Yeah, really. Sorry, I lost it. Uh, really looking forward to riding Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a horse that's, um, again, he holds a great level of form. Uh, he's, he's really rena- reliable. He's run uh, big races at Newmarket um, on previous occasions. Uh, obviously, it's a competitive race. Um, but yeah, looking forward to getting back aboard him. Uh, there's not too many runners. I think there's any five runners in the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um yeah, that him him amongst other odds, um, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully you get the sort of championship season as such off to a good start.
0: And he's for the, the jockey club stakes. is that correct? Yes, it is, yeah and uh, Tom, just obviously, you know, the, the flat seems to really kind of be kicking into gear now. Um, obviously, that the first classic's, you know, getting very near. Overlooking kind of the rest of the season for, for yourself. Um, are there, I mean, obviously, speaking to Aidan Coleman, um, I suppose he's someone, you know, a, a kind of a different stage of his career. And, and he says it's more quality um you know, rather than quantity for him at, the, at this point. But for someone like yourself, who's still young and there's still a long way to go, do you, do you set yourself certain achievements or, or certain goals that you'd like to hit come come December?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, look, as, as, as sort of related to earlier on, I'd love I'd love to be champion jockey, and it's something that's high up on my agenda. Um, but I wouldn't be, you know, I don't. I, I think at this point, um, you know, I'm in, in a very fortunate position that I'm riding a lot of William Haggis's horses and, and and getting on some pretty uh, pretty talented horses of other people's as well. So it's not you know I don't I don't I don't think it has to be a trade-off at the moment. And um, again, as I said about the one meeting a day rule, it's kind of it's changed the dynamics of champion jockey. So you know on the flat we're we're kind of we've we've almost changed away from the choosing quality or quantity, um, but because of the change in the championship rules. So uh, look, I think it, it's something you can mix, mix up both. Um, and and you know I want to ride as many Group One winners as I can, as, as every other jockey does, and, and equally I'd love to be champion jockey one day too. So um, look, I'm hoping I'm hoping that I'll be able to mix both up within the same seasons, and um and and really really crack down and make the most of it all.
0: Fantastic. Well, of course, uh, Tom. We, we wish you the, the the very best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, Charlie, I was just interested just to get a, 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 your thoughts on a couple more uh, runners at Punchestown. Obviously, Honey Suckle back in action in the Champion Hurdle, I believe tomorrow uh, afternoon. I mean, she's going to be very, very tough to beat again.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's, in, it's, it's always tricky at this stage of the season because it, it, horses are coming to the end of their tether. You know, they're ready for a break, but she's she's been the outstanding two mile hurdler all season. Another, another guy Epitone's going to turn back up and charge you'd have another crack at her but hard to see beyond the Dom and hopefully she can round off a perfect season
0: absolutely right uh, it's been a, a very very fascinating episode guys um, Tom obviously we really really appreciate your time uh, and we wish you the best of luck at Red Car this afternoon I, I believe it's Goodwood as well tomorrow is that right?
2: Yeah, heading down to Goodwoods tomorrow, so uh, I can look forward to the backcountry, Uh But no, thanks very much for having me on.
1: Appreciate
0: it. No problem. You do some miles, don't you? Uh, Charlie, once again for yourself, thank you very much. And obviously, uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you next week.
1: Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Tom. Good luck today, mate. Catch you later. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, guys.